Actively managing your personal brand is critical if you want to make a significant impact in the areas of your life important to you. I'm Gary Brown, the personal brand catalyst. I've spent most of my life working in the world of branding products. More recently, I've been exploring the world of personal branding and wrote a book on this, Brand New, Brand You. And the podcast has come out of this as a way to share first-hand experiences from some of Australia's most recognised personal brands. As I reflect on the year 2023, there was one key takeaway that stood out to me after having many wonderful conversations with the guests on the show. Whilst there were plenty of distractions in our community across the globe and many inconsistencies in our personal lives, it's imperative that we stay true to our core values and continue on that journey of building credibility, trust and reputation. Naturally, these will be challenged when we decide to take a stance on issues that may ring false to others. So it is important to stay vigilant. If anything, we should harness the uncertainty and unrest in the world as a motivator to assess and reassess our circumstances from what we have control over and what we don't. This is the key to having a strong brand. And if you're serious about wanting to make an impact, you must think about these elements. I've had the pleasure and honour to interview some wonderful guests over the past 12 months with the likes of Sir Peter Cosgrove, Craig Foster, Tony Nash, April Parmalee, and Dr. Charlie Tia, to name just a few. This episode will contain memorable highlights from guests who have been on the show. I'm looking forward to what 2024 offers and the incredible guests who will join me on the couch to share their stories. I hope you enjoy. With values in mind, have you ever been placed in a situation where you've had to make a decision uh, based on values uh, where it is, there's been a conflict? Ah, uh, yes. I mean, it was very early in my career. I mean, I had just got my degree and um, I was working for a small um, marketing company. It was a, it was a founder-led company and the son was also working with the company. And I remember thinking the way he wants to take this company in in one direction is not necessarily something that really rests well with me. Um, it was more, for me, it wasn't about what we were trying to do for the companies. It was more about what he was trying to do as an individual. Mm. And, um, and that's when I thought, my goodness, this isn't something I feel comfortable with. And, you know, and I, I went, decided to go to market and find an, another role mm. um, because I knew that even when I spoke to them, it would have no impact. Yeah. And then I realised that any role you have, you have to have an impact. You have to be able to be true to yourself mm. in what you think and what you want to do. And that was a lesson I learned in my, you know, early 20s. And mm. I, it's really stood with me throughout time for mm. every role I've subsequently taken. You obviously can see that uh, with the relationship you create and, and the business you've developed. But it's also unusual in a sense that when you look at the finance industry that has so many challenges, and reputation in some quarters is is questionable in terms of organisations and the way they treat their customers, their staff, their stakeholders, etc. To actually navigate away from that, that that must be a challenge at times. 
I think in every role you have a challenge, yeah. you know, no matter what you're doing. And I, for me, if there wasn't a challenge, I wouldn't, I wouldn't engage as yeah. much as yeah. I possibly do. I mean, I, I think I'm very lucky. I worked for an amazing company in London um, called Lanson's and I'm now part of the alumni. And they were sort of, well, they are the top financial marketing agency in the UK. And actually, I, I, I still speak to the owners. And when you went into that firm, you basically you identified with their values and, and what they really believed and you got to work on accounts that you were really passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I worked on Fidelity, I worked on NatWest, I worked on, you know, a variety of others. And when you worked hard and you did well, you became a partner quite quickly. Have you seen a change in your values and beliefs over time? The beliefs always change. Beliefs should change mm -hmm. because we age and we acquire yes. wisdom yep. and we acquire mm -hmm. understanding. And, and so life is a journey of education and knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm constantly embarrassed at what I don't know. Not, you know um, and so, I, you know, I'm always trying to fill the knowledge gaps, you know, constantly um, yeah. because I spent so much time in the sporting environment as a young person, you know, I, I had a strong education and ultimately finished my law degree and, and a master's. But the thing is, I never had the time to really consider political environments, mm. you know, mm. um, a sociology, history, yeah. to the degree that I would have loved to. Sure. Uh, you know, and I was, so I wish I had a much deeper understanding of the world. So mm. I'm constantly trying to fill those gaps. Um, so beliefs should always be challenged. Um, values should be consistent. What is your ha take on, on relevance and, and recognition when it comes to your audiences? Well, it's funny when you talk about relevance, the first thing that popped into my head was my children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, if you're not relevant to your children, you have a problem. <laughs> no, but it's hard, right? Like the older the children get, the less relevant they see you. Correct. And... I'm finding that the most challenging, actually. And that's what drove my book, is I was fearful of losing my relevance to my children and the next generation, because that's, to me, the thing that keeps us going. Mm. Otherwise, it becomes, you don't want to be relevant to the generation before you because they've passed on. There was a, a while where I did question my relevance. Why mm. would people care anymore? I think that... More important than relevance, though, and it came to me very quickly, was purpose. Mm, very much so. I really wanted to know that what I was going to do had some purpose. So you actually stood up on your own two feet with your own brand, not with another brand behind you. Yeah. I've been a perfectionist, which I don't say with any boast because I think it's a terrible trait. It's terrible and mm. debilitating mm. because no one's perfect. Mm. So striving for perfection can be quite debilitating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've got to, you know, good enough is sometimes. <laughs> so, Perfectionists stand still, they don't go forward as correct. a rule. But you've, you've excelled. <laughs> well, you've got to stop. I mean, the best thing for perfectionists is to have a deadline. Mm. And if you don't meet the deadline, mm. there's black air on the television. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's it's only when you don't, it's like my memoir that's never going to be finished because there's not really a hard and fast deadline. You, you've got to actually yeah. sometimes say good enough yeah. is good enough. Did you in your early years think about reputation uh, and 
your repu- your personal reputation? Is that something that was ever in your mind in terms of building credibility? Probably yes and no. I mean, certainly as a as a teenager and a young guy in the twenties, of course, mm. especially with girls or with your friends or just mm. it's all more probably more social than it is um, mm. um, from a business perspective. To be fair, but so I was probably um, around around my 30s, uh, around 30 years mm-hmm. old, I had been approached by a financial planner to invest in a, um, a film, Australian film scheme that enabled us to invest in Aussie films and then you get a tax break. Mm-hmm. And the tax break was really beneficial to, to you and you could borrow money to pay for it. It was a whole scheme that mm-hmm. was set up and, and it seemed like a good idea, so I got involved. And then seven years later, the Australian tax office decided to uh, stop that and then retrospectively um, go back seven years and and nullify all of that, all of the scheme. And so in the end, it worked out that I owed the tax office $250,000. And I had sold my house and put all the money into my company. And so because it was a personal thing, it wasn't a business thing, um, I found myself with a fair amount of debt and I was trying to pay it off, trying to pay it off. And I got to a point in the early 2000s where I, I just decided to go bankrupt. And I could tell by the way that I was talking to the guy that helped me go through it. Um, I did a search on the internet. This guy said, you got to do this, you got to do that. Um, that a lot of people have a stigma around it. But it, to me, I mean, I, I can't say I wear it as a badge of honor. Like, But I'd heard enough times, oh, yeah, you're an entrepreneur. Well, you're going to go bankrupt um, at least once in your life. Mm. And so... I must admit, I didn't. I saw it as very liberating, not because I um, was no long, no longer had to pay the tax office two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and my credit card mm. was on thirty thousand dollars. All those things were kind of just wiped. Mm. But as, personally, I didn't think of myself as a failure or that. Oh, you're going to have to hide that one in the closet. It was. I tell people. I tell people that I was bankrupt. It was not. It was not a limited to me. So I think that's a good example in the early years, perhaps of the way that I saw. Things. I mean, I got 56% of my HSC. So it's not like I, I had a great result at, at um, high school. I went to uni. I mastered in space invaders and snooker. I found an accounting and economics and dropped out and became the male boy at the NRMA. So I have plenty of instances where if, if you think about Tony Nash, the brand, or who, how I thought about myself, mm-hmm. that I would, I'd go, oh, my God, you know, you're hopeless. You're, 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 worth, you're worthless. You've got so many reference points yeah. to to think that you, you're worth nothing. That's not how I kind of went about my, my daily work, world and, and what I aspired to do. But incredibly insightful to have that, that breadth of experience and uh, being able to, to dip into such a, a variety of different instances where reputation uh, is, is the hallmark of some of those particular roles. I mean, when you talk about the uh, going uh, bankrupt, reputation or the fact of you being known that you had gone bankrupt, where did you get this sort of belief that it wasn't going to damage your reputation? Because that's what you're basically saying is that you could cope with that. It just always felt like my destiny was in my own hands. So maybe, I mean, I found out only five years ago when my son was diagnosed with ADHD um, and he went on medication and his life transformed Mm. at school and, and socially with his friends and particularly with teachers that he was um, um, mm. working with on a daily basis. My wife said, 
um, I'm pretty sure you've got it as well. And so off I went to an adult psychiatrist because she was, she was the one, and that's his stepmother, that was mm. right about uh, my son. Mm. And, uh, and so off I go to a psychiatrist. And we spoke about all the things that I've accomplished in sport mm. and booktopia. And you've yeah. done so much, very mm. effective. He goes, but before I make my final decision, could your wife come in? Mm. I'd like to have a chat with her. So a week later we go in and he's talking to her and asking questions. And after about 20 minutes, he looks at me and he goes, you definitely have ADHD. <laughs> and so, so when I got that insight um, about how I operated in the world, mm. and when you ask that question, I have to consider that because I was undiagnosed. So there's certain aspects to me mental health and certain conditions. I see ADHD as a superpower. Mm. So for me, um, it, it serves me because when I find something that I'm really uh, passionate about, I just lock in and that is something that I'm, that I want to do. One of the reasons why Booktopia actually has been successful yeah. in the early years. So to me, it's a superpower. So not that I knew that I had it then, but there was always this thing about, I'm going to rise out of the ashes, the Phoenix and out yeah, of the ashes. Yeah. Out of that, <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, it was, it was always this sense of hope and possibility. When I think about my son and I observe him and perhaps others, Maybe that's a, a hallmark of ADHD that you have this element of, of um, kind of like um, you're not good enough. So your personal opinion about yourself and your your personal brand, if in terms of how we're talking about it today, not that I would think about it then, but just how you you know what was what write out an assessment of yourself and tell me how, and and really be brutally honest and mm -hmm. and it would be a lot of things that I would have been quite down down on myself. But when it came to accomplishing things or succeeding, it was always like this quest. Yeah. I'm going to be on this quest to, to show the rest of the world that I'm, I'm not useless or, um, or, or not worthy of it. Of Absolutely. It. And I think what you've articulated, which is well worth just reiterating, is that to actually command... Um, control of your own personal brand is actually to take control of it and to be courageous enough and harness those opportunities and have an optimistic approach. And I think you've, you articulate it so well in that regard. Have you ever um, been concerned or, or thought about how others perceive you and perceive your leadership? The answer is yes, exquisitely on a, on a daily basis, you wonder, sometimes worry about how you're perceived. But that must be in a construct as part of a complex where overridingly you must get a job done. So you have to be task-orientated, mission-orientated mm -hmm. if you like, but there's so many ways to skin the cat. And if you have a brand that is appropriate, then you'll get that mission accomplished in a way which has people say, I'd rather have that person doing it or in charge than other people, people I know, rather him than some others. Well, that's your brand influencing the way people relate to what it is you're doing. I think you're right, and people know what to expect. They know what you are going to offer in terms of your leadership and the way in which you are going to deliver sure. for them and for the organisation. Yep. 
A case in point for me, you kindly in the introduction announced that I was up in uh, the aftermath of Cyclone Larry. And this was announced with some fanfare by uh, the Premier Peter Beattie. Uh, he'd already in, been in touch with me, of course. And I said yes immediately because I was back, basically called back into uh, into harness a bit mm. and, I, and people were in need. So off I went. And there was some concern on the ground when I arrived that because of my military background, I might be what I might call some command and control person issuing orders, you know, do this, do mm. it now, you know, don't argue, that mm. sort of stuff. Mm. And there was a little bit of that disquiet because people thought, well, he'd been 40 years in the military and that's what they did, they yelled at each other. And I heard that immediately when I got on the ground and I put them at ease almost immediately by deliberately saying, I'm here as an experienced person of people ventures, big enterprises, people under pressure. I know about that. Hmm. And I know how hard people work. And I haven't come up here with a directive. I'm not going to give directives. I'm going to talk to you all endlessly. You'll talk to me and I'll talk to you and we're going to work out together how we coordinate all this, mm. how we get uh, comprehensive and uh, concerted action. Oh, thank heavens, they, they thought, mm. because uh, that meant that I wasn't looking to order them to do things changing radically the way they did it. If we did change, it was going to be by discussion and joint decision, yeah. that's a better way of doing things. Mm. Perhaps if I'd have been doing that uh, many, many years beforehand, there might have been a bit more do this, do that. Right. Because you grow. Everybody grows. They grow within their brand. Absolutely. And you become more engaging yep. and accepting yep. and you are accepted yeah. by your audiences. Absolutely. Mm. That's the other thing I suppose about the brand is it's, it doesn't enclose your growth as a person. It actually underpins it and promotes it, your growth. So your brand grows. I mean, my brand now would be different to that which I had when I was still going reasonably well in the military as a young major or something, when perhaps my style there was a little more peremptory. Hmm. Um, and then it, it sort of modified as I got older and realised Part of my wisdom was how much I didn't know. You're a wise person when you realise you know, that your knowledge is quite limited. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave a five-star review and subscribe for more episodes. And if you'd like to learn more about developing your personal brand, please visit garybrown.com.au to get in touch or grab a copy of Brand New, Brand You.